0: Welcome to Local is Lekker. In the introduction to this series, you met Herman and Joe, and we gave you some background to the trip that we have planned. The goal is to ride as many of South Africa's top mountain passes as we can, and only to use back roads to get to these passes. In this episode, we meet up and our journey together starts. My journey starts in the central Drakensberg. I then travel towards the Midlands and I take the lower Luteni road, which is a spectacular gravel road. This leads to Heimval and then on towards Underberg. From there, I travel towards Swatberg, which is in the southwestern parts of KwaZulu-Natal, near Coxstad and Matatiel, and I travel towards Flitwick Ranch, which is where we plan to meet up with Salman and Joe and also where we'll we're planning to stay overnight.
1: Yeah, I mean, I basically tried to, because we Joe and I were going to leave on that Friday afternoon, so we only had about three hours max uh, travel time before before it got dark. So I was basically looking in the area of Matatiel for accommodation. And I mean, you, you look around for something that's pleasant to stay rather than just a run of the mill type of place. There were two or three options in Matatiel but then on I think on Booking.com or somewhere I came across this Flitwick Ranch. I hadn't had sort of heard about it before, but hadn't even remembered the name or the exact location. Uh, But it's basically an 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 old farm that had a a cheese factory in, in old stone buildings and this cheese factory has been converted into accommodation. Um, it's all very nicely done, uh, we, we and it was actually quite affordable for us three to stay there. Um, we had two rooms, a, a twin room, and I think, Holger, you had a, a bigger room. But then there's a, a big communal living area, kitchen, braai, all the facilities are there. So I think it would be a lovely place even to spend a weekend. We were obviously only there for, for a night. Um, yeah, we arrived about, when was it, half past four, five o'clock or something. Mm. Holger was already there. Had a nice evening, and uh, yeah, the next morning we then started with uh, with a with a big route, a big tour,
0: and that was we started with our, our first dirt road.
1: Yes, the the first bit of dirt road basically went from well, Flitwick Ranch was about seven kilometers outside of Swartburg on a on a very good small dirt road, but very good quality. And then we went back to Swartberg, and along there, uh, from there to Matatiel. Uh, normally, I think one would probably drive on the Taro down to Coxstad and then go to Cedarberg and, and Matat. But we took the dirt road that goes across directly from uh, Swartberg to Matatiel. It's a fair distance, I think, maybe 60 k's or so. Uh, but again, a, a very good road. I mean, I, I guess some of these roads, if they are wet, they might be slippery. But uh, we, we were quite lucky on our trip um I think the time of the year that we planned it is just before the rainy season, but we could have had some rain. We managed to dodge some rain as well further on in the trip. But it was a great road to start our ride on. It was pretty easygoing district road, not many steep parts and not many curves. So quite a fast ride there into Matat. Mm.
0: And I think we also just missed the, the snow of a week before.
2: Yeah, we were very happy that we didn't travel one week before. Very, it being very cold, it was so a bit of bit chilly the first few days we travelled, but with the right clothing, uh, it was great. I mean, the sun was out, and um, we had a bit of mist or so in the coming two days, but um, uh, it got warmer as we got further west yeah i've always
0: wanted to know what happens at the bottom end of lesotho and i'm very tough that we that we explored that a little bit
1: yeah from matat we in matat we bought some basic groceries that we thought we would need for the next day and then we headed to mount fletcher along the r56 on tar and then um because joe's bike does not have such a big tank we had to fill up frequently and um We knew that after Mount Fletcher it would be difficult to get fuel for for quite a long time because even roads, the the town that we stayed in, I don't think has a filling station. So we filled up in Mount Fletcher and then about 10 K's outside Mount Fletcher we turned right onto a a dirt road, the first dirt pass, I think it's called the Pitseng Pass, which connects to the bottom of the Nudea's Neck Pass. Um along that road uh, we
0: I, I think most people kinda of bypass that it. it looks
1: like it's Yeah, it's I not, think I think it's not a very well known road. Yeah, I think but people, it's worth it. people who do know about Nordier's neck and roads, I think they normally go on they continue from Mount Fletcher along the R fifty six to McClear, which now has a new name. I can't remember it. And then they go up from Maclear to to the Nordia's Neck Pass. But we took this shortcut. It is actually shorter and it's it was a fairly good road. I had been on it before with my father-in-law in the car. Um, it was actually better than the Nordia's Neck Pass itself. So mm. no problem going up there. Uh, it might be different in, in wet and rainy conditions, but for us it was perfect. And it was a beautiful day. It was sunny and clear. One could really see very far. A nice warm winter sun or early spring sun. Yeah, so we stopped for a little picnic coffee there along the way because uh, in Holger's car we had a a box and a camping fridge with some basics, a little gas cooker so that if we wanted we could stop by the side of the road or even self-cater and that came in quite handy. There was a lot of stuff in Holger's car that we would not have taken along if if Holger wasn't there because obviously on the bike you have limited packing space.
2: Mm. That was really lovely to have that kind of fallback option and uh, also have a proper plunger for real coffee, <laughs> and we enjoyed those breaks, definitely.
1: But having said that, you know, I think what, what I also find a, a, like a real nice challenge to achieve is to go on a, a trip like this where you have to pack everything on your bike. Mm. Um, you know, some people do do this completely self-catered. They have a, a tent. Uh, they have their cooking equipment, everything. They have top boxes and panniers on their bikes. I've never really had panniers. I've had a top box, but I sold it with my previous bike. At the moment, I don't actually have anything, (laughs) so I would have to tie some other luggage onto my bike. Um, Yeah, but some people are very well equipped and they can go totally independently and just buy sort of food for one or two days, carry everything with them, cook everything, stay in a tent. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, but we, we had it easy because we had all the space in the car to send our stuff with, which obviously also made the, bike lighter and the riding a little bit easier
0: yeah um when we got to nudia's neck to the top and and i really want to recommend that route for anybody that goes to the the eastern Cape is just take that route do it i mean most most people have got a four by four somewhere or double cap and uh, i didn't have to use my four by four ones as long as there's a bit of clearance um just take a different route next time you're going to the Eastern Cape and, and cross over the Nudia's Neck Pass. Stay over at Rhodes. Uh, um, it's a, it's a lo- lovely little village. So at the top of uh, Nudia's Neck, we, we, we <laughs> I thought I was in Scotland again. There was this beautiful, beautiful old, uh, not can't be that old, but this beautiful lodge um, where, where we popped in.
2: Yeah, it actually looked like an old castle. As you say, probably not that old, ten ahead uh, hotel or lodge. Um beautiful place, um very stylish. Um possibly a little bit above our pay grade, <laughs> but uh, definitely worth it for uh, um for a break which we had there and um well if you have the cash then i would certainly rec- recommend it uh, yeah. it's a beautiful beautiful place up there
1: yeah i mean we had initially we sort of had these ideas of doing a few more of the the ben 10 passes as they are called there is a a challenge to do 10 specific passes in that roads area um I don't think it's necessarily for motorbikes only, but the motorbikers take it on um, to try and do it in, I think normally maybe three days or four days, but some people try and do it them all in one day. But some of those passes are, are very rough. Um, they they are roads that aren't really being used or maintained anymore for normal traffic. And in some cases, I think they've actually just got like old tires that they put on the road to stop the erosion and so on. So it's it's a very challenging ride. We didn't really know exactly what some of these passes would be like. Uh, our intention was to go and check out the what they call the TT Pass, which is the Tina Head to Tiffendale Pass. That is a very high altitude sort of contour ridge uh, road that follows the South africa Lesotho border. You go right along the, the border. Um, I don't think it is too much up and down, but it is very high altitude and fairly rough. But unfortunately, by the time we left Tina Head, um, it was quite late in the afternoon and we inquired there at the lodge and they said it would take about, what did they say, three or four hours to do it. And um, we just thought it was a bit risky to start it that late in the evening. And even if you finish it and you get to, to uh, Tiffindale from there, it is still quite a distance into roads. So, you know, if anything would have gone wrong, we probably would have only come into roads uh, way after dark. <laughs> Yeah, and it was the first full day of our trip, so we didn't really want to um, take a big risk then.
0: And I must say that, uh, that route down into Rhodes from Nudeers Neck, from the top, was beautiful.
1: Yeah, we went uh, down Nudeers Neck then on the other side towards Rhodes, which to me is actually almost more beautiful than than the, the side we had just come up because the, the road has got lots of hairpin bends and beautiful scenery. And as you drop altitude and get closer to roads, there are these most beautiful um, valleys with farms in them. Uh, The valleys have got quite steep sides, but then at the bottom, there's obviously um, arable land um, and and rivers. And along these rivers, the farmers plant, from what we understand mostly, um, what do you call it again? Sheep. Uh, 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 sheep. And, <laughs> no, no, I mean the stuff that they grow for the sheep. Lucerne. Lucerne. Mm-hmm. They grow lucerne for the sheep, and, and they you have these poplar trees there. I mean, we were there now um, at the beginning of September. I think in a few weeks' time, those trees will all have leaves, and obviously with the rain, the grass everywhere will turn green as well. It must be really beautiful in summer.
2: For me also, that uh, decision up in Tennehead to then – uh, go down directly to roads and not still to attempt, try to attempt this other path. Well, actually, uh, was an important lesson in a way that sometimes less is more, mm. and um, that you need to uh, not rush anywhere because that's when you start making mistakes uh, riding your bike. But also you miss things uh, along the road and uh, you miss uh, the somehow relaxed part of the journey because there is no reason to rush. The beautiful thing of this tour was also that we had not pre-booked any accommodation, so we could just go with the flow in a way. And um, so I think that was important for me to just click at that point in time that this is not about doing this or doing that, but it's about uh, enjoying the ride and taking the time you need. And uh, also, in a way, planning for... Um, any, uh, any problems which might occur that you should try to be at your destination around 3 or 4, 4 p.m. or so, um, just to have that extra one or two hours if, if there are any issues that you can deal with them.
1: Yeah, that's quite right. I mean, with this adventure riding, uh, it's, it's not a good idea to attempt a very challenging part late in the day. Um, if you want to do something like that, do it first thing in the morning because uh, then you've still got lots of time should should you have delays of, of whatever kind. So rather um, plan that you get to your destination sort of mid-afternoon, late afternoon, rather than in the dark, and and leave early in the morning, which is what we generally did. I mean, all of us, f- fortunately, were early risers. I think we were always up by about half past, or awake by half past five. Um, and it was actually quite nice the way we, we all had our morning coffee and drusks and then gradually got up and about an hour hour and a half later we got going in the mornings
0: what i also learned on this trip is that and we we got the first lesson was in roads is that breweries are always closed when i'm in town (laughs) this we found a new brewery and uh, i've traveled and visited most breweries in South Africa but it's always interesting to find a new one and this was a particularly nice one but unfortunately it was was closed
1: yes it had very strange opening hours (laughs) most unusual I think it was from 8 to 1 in the mornings or something (laughs) (laughs) But don't know maybe they have different drinking habits in that town (laughs) and not on a weekend but that might have been because of uh, lockdown restrictions
0: yeah so we stayed at um, Walkabout Inn, and they were quite flexible. It felt a little bit like an old-school hostel, but it was, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice. And they let us have a braai, which was oh, which was, was very kind. relaxed and uh, had a
2: good time. So They had an aquarium with uh, two frogs in it, <laughs> one plastic, one real. <laughs>
1: And they, I think that walkabouts is actually sort of a, a biker's place, it seems. There were, was also a group of other bikers there from, from Wartburg and Richmond areas in Cozartin mm.
2: But we suspect um, there were plastic bikes.
1: Yeah, I think <laughs> they had plastic bikes or at least uh, KTM's. You <laughs> yeah. should explain
2: what plastic bikes are. Which would be off-road bikes, eh? Motocross bikes. Bikes
1: yeah. that you throw around and go on single tracks with and so mm. on.
2: Mm. So that's
0: day one. That took quite a long time to get through day one, but it was well worth it. Um, the next day we, I didn't expect too much. I thought it was an easy drive to Craddock, where we, we were going to stay with on my brother's farm. But it turned out to be um, a lot more adventurous than that.
1: Yeah, the next day, um, I mean, our plans. Uh, this is the reason why we didn't really book anything ahead because we had to remain flexible. Um, originally, we had hoped to do a few more of those passes in the roads area, uh, the Ben 10 passes, some of the Ben 10 passes. But um, we, we then looked at the weather forecast and it looked like we, there was some quite heavy rain coming, especially up in the mountainous areas there around roads. So we had to do a bit of replanning and weather dodging. Otherwise, I think we would have done maybe a few more passes there, like the Joubert Pass near Lady Grey and also London's Neck uh and there's also uh the what was it called the one that goes up from from roads the pass i can't remember its name
2: now yeah i forgot it as well
1: volunteers hook is also another one but uh, we had to skip them all to try and get out of the area because even the locals said no the roads are going to be messy from about 11 o'clock onwards when the heavier rain comes so we basically left there and headed um Straight to uh, Barclay East, uh, where we had a nice breakfast there at the Barclay East Hotel. But it was such beautiful weather. Um, yeah, it was a very scenic ride out of roads. Uh, we saw also saw some nice cranes, some crown cranes. Um, I think you saw a, a huge flock, or yes. whatever you call them, of 20 or 30 of these crown cranes. Mm-hmm. Um, And then after our breakfast, we actually went and looked up an old stone bridge that was about seven kilometers out of town that was built, I don't know when, probably 100 years ago. A beautiful old stone bridge. You get quite a few of these in South Africa. Um, It's also something that I might develop an interest in because these things are very interesting, you know, the history and, and maybe even the engineering part of it. And very often they are in in nice scenic settings. So we checked out this bridge and then we continued on our way. And we decided to still do the Otto-Duplessis pass um, because we had checked in that direction. The rain was only going to come much later. But as it turned out, we actually never got any rain that day. Um, Yeah, so from Barclay Barclay East, we then... um, went through some farming area that got more more and more beautiful. I think Holger really liked it there as well.
0: Mm. Yeah, it was, I mean, first of all, th- I thought it, w- it must be terrible living in those areas because it's so lonely, but it was so beautiful and it, it, it really looked like productive farming land.
1: Yeah, I mean, the locals told us there that um, because of the altitude, it's obviously quite cold, so there's not much you can farm with. They said cattle, sheep, and then lucerne to feed them. Um, but they all seemed to be like very good farms. Um, it didn't look like anybody was struggling too much along there.
0: Yeah, and then we got to Clifford, and I thought this is the end of the world. <laughs> this is where it all ends. Small little, um, I think there was one house and uh, a big sign, Clifford. And and this thing just carried on, this, this road. And at that stage, I, I still didn't, re- I thought Herman was just taking us on a dirt track.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I didn't actually know exactly what this pass would be like either and where it would take us. I mean, I did know that at some point there must be a steeper road, otherwise it wouldn't be a pass. Um, But I think we were all quite surprised when eventually we came to the edge of an escarpment, just how high that escarpment was and and that drop down. And we were standing at the top of this Otto Duplessis pass um obviously a pass that wasn't used very much i think it is a public road it is on the maps and it probably has a route number but uh, definitely four by four vehicles only on the way up but we were taking it down um i think there was quite a bit of loose stone and rock as well which would have made it challenging if we had gone up uh, especially on the motorbikes but, but it's obviously perfectly doable with experience um but the weather and the scenery and everything was just so beautiful there we kept on stopping along the pass at various points um and uh yeah it it was just lovely a lovely area there that was really a surprise to all of us
0: definitely one of my highlights so and then that drive into was it uh Indua was was also very pretty, and again the farmlands. Looked very prosperous.
2: Mm, mm. And e- even before still in roads, we asked also regarding <clears throat> challenges with farming or so, but it's so remote that they had don't have any issues with stock theft, for instance, yeah. which can be a problem otherwise. And um yeah, for me it was also great. You know, I enjoyed the Nodeer's Next Pass, but it was uh quite windy up there on the Nodeer's Next Pass. And uh, the weather was a bit nicer going down Auto but all of it very exciting because it was my real first passes uh, the day before and that day. And, um, you know, I had done one uh, course introduction to off-road uh, riding, a BMW course. Um, and um, now to put that into practice and uh, it was exciting and it, uh, i really enjoyed it totally and there was so much opportunity just to try and improve your skills also with, uh, with riding in these conditions
1: yeah i mean uh, joe really did well i think on on that auto duplicy i think was probably your first really challenging pass. Mm. But it was all downhill so you just had to sort of control your speed and look up and Choose your own little uh, route, or whatever you call it. Um, we 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 rode quite far apart, which I think is better because if you follow somebody too closely, you have this tendency to watch somebody else's rear wheel and follow him. And if that person makes a mistake and falls, then you're gonna fall there as well. So it's always better to have a little uh, a bigger following distance and and just choose your own line, basically going down down these places. Very important to look up and look ahead look far ahead um, because if you just look like five or ten meters in front of your bike all of a sudden you're gonna find yourself in a rut that you can't get out of and then you're gonna stop and possibly fall over or you know maybe even get injured um so yeah it's it's very important to look far ahead and try and look where you're you you want to choose or pick your line your bike will just follow automatically even if you look far ahead
0: mm-hmm. And then I felt sorry for for Joe because it it seemed like we hit the first tar road and Joe was whining it, and he was he was trying to uh,
2: lie flat to to not get too much resistance. Well, I think we had quite quite a bit of wind uh, still on that day. I I, be, I believe it was crosswinds. Uh, <laughs> And um, there you can also see that it's a smaller bike. It's not only got uh, less power, but also less weight in it. So it uh, is more susceptible to these crosswinds. And I really try to be as aerodynamic as possible. (laughs) Must have looked uh, quite silly, (laughs) but I didn't see myself luckily.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, my bike is obviously a bit bigger being a 1250 and I've got the bigger screen and everything. Um, So, you know, there was a side wind, but the wind from the front, doesn't really bother you too much but uh, Joe with the smaller bike really had to hunch down and as he said because it was lighter I think he was being blown about a little bit more while I think the wind was coming from the right so uh, I think looking from the back hall I don't know what it looked like but I think we we were probably both riding, leaning to the right quite a bit
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah um, and then Herman found another dirt road how did you find that? (laughs)
1: Yes, yeah. So we basically went then from the bottom of Otto Du passed through a small place called Ida or Ida, which looks just like a farming community with a, with an with an Kerk, church. Um it doesn't look like there were too many small farmers around there anymore, but there seemed to be one very big successful farmer. And then we passed through Indwe and Dordrecht, which I think would have been very nice towns 15, 20 years ago, but a lot of, I think, people have moved away from the rural areas there, so they've become a little bit run down and derelict. But uh, as always, you have the big dominant Engierkerk is the most imposing building in town that is usually quite well maintained and that you can see from afar. Um, so I think we filled up in Dordrecht, and then from there we we headed towards the N6, which is the main I think it's the N6, the main highway is sort of from Joburg, Bloemfontein to East London. And it was still quite windy there, but then we sort of stopped for a little bit um, and I looked on the map, I wasn't quite sure where we were going to go, so I just worked out another new route. Um, normally in a car, I guess you would have just gone down the N6 towards Queenstown and then turned right on the on the tar road to Tarkastad and Craddock. But we obviously wanted to do something more adventurous, so we chose a, uh, a, a smaller road. Uh, once we hit the N6, we went down a pass there, I, I can't remember what it was called, obviously a big tar road pass on the N6, but uh, it was only about 10 or 14 k's that we were on the on the tar. And then we turned right to Sterkstrøm, and that uh, was a dirt road, a, f- uh, a fairly small but good dirt road. Uh, flat and straight, but it was really lovely to ride. Uh, and then after Stärkström, we passed through the town, past the impressive Engierkerk again, and then headed towards Tarkastad, which I think was about 60 or 70 kilometers away. That was also just a wonderful road. We didn't expect it. I mean, the, the area there was very scenic, uh, lots of mountains, but the road was 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 relatively flat and straight. But... Not a very big or wide or, or well-travelled road, but the condition was very good. One could really go quite fast. I think we went like a hundred, even more than a hundred k's an hour um, on the bikes. And they had, in places, built these little bumps in the road to obviously manage the stormwater. And it was just so much fun jumping these things here. Uh, by the end of it, I think we were airborne for most of them, <laughs> including Holger and his car when he was following <laughs> us. <laughs>
2: Yeah that, that that was much fun i must say uh, it, it, one had to be careful that it wasn't too much fun <laughs> but we really enjoyed it and i i really thought wow this is also part of what this travelling is about to be in wide open spaces as it was in this case and on a on a on a gravel road and you travel and you just feel free and you enjoy it it was great
0: yeah for me it felt a little bit long it was it was uh I, I could have taken the toll road <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah but I mean that road I don't think we saw one other car on that on those no. 60, 70 k's and also not on the on the part from the N6 to Sterkström. yeah and then we got into um, Tarkastat and, and now it was already getting quite late in the afternoon so we would have probably arrived in Craddock at about 4 o'clock so from there we just took a toll road uh, there didn't seem to be many other options um, but unfortunately, just outside of there seemed there was a stop-and-go system, and it said there, 20-minute wait. Um, but we were quite lucky. It, it, uh, they, they let us go quite soon. We didn't have to wait very long. And in fact, it, it was there were three of these things in a row, I think. Um, and, uh, you know, you get to them, and then you think, oh, how long are you going to wait? Are you going to take your helmet off and walk and whatever? And just as we decided to take our stuff off, it changed and then we very quickly had to get our helmets and gloves and stuff on and get going again. And there were some impatient taxis behind us there. <laughs> yes, uh, but we didn't hold them up for too long. Um, yeah, and then uh, we got into Craddock late afternoon. We, we had to do uh, some shopping and stuff because we were going to stay at, at Hoggs Brothers Farm.
0: Yeah, and when you're in the Karoo, you've got to buy lamb. And uh, we managed to buy a bit of lamb we still had some uh, beefsteak from Hillcrest, which we'd taken along, but now it was time for a for a nice um, rack of lamb ribs.
2: That's right, and uh, you know it's it's wonderful to travel with Holger because he has the same culinary interests as uh, Herman and myself. We all <laughs> like braying. And, um, we, well, we like to eat braide meat, and Holger likes to braai. <laughs> so we relied on his expertise, and uh, it was wonderful, yes. And, uh, and the lamb we especially enjoyed.
1: Yeah, and I mean, before we left on the trip, my wife had warned me that I shouldn't overdo it. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I insisted, I think, from Craddock onwards that we should always have a salad with our braai. And um, we bought some stuff to make a salad, some lettuce and tomatoes and cucumber. Um, because I thought it might be a, a good way to offset the braai, you know, like sort of these carbon credits that you can get for polluting.
2: <laughs> no, and he diligently reminded us of that, and we actually had our salad nearly every day.
0: Sometimes more than once a day. <laughs> <laughs> and we had a good stay in Craddock. It's a, it's a beautiful place. We stayed at Pekin Park, and uh, early the next morning, we, we did a tour of the, the Pekin farm, and... Uh, yeah, that
2: was that was a nice nice little stop. Now, it's interesting to get to know something about this kind of farming, which was totally new to me, with the uh, pecan nut uh, farm. I've never been on one, and just to drive around and see all the technology which goes with the irrigation and the flood irrigation, this and that, um, that was that was interesting.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, I also found it interesting actually. It seemed to be the only pecan farm there in that area. At least I don't know. Maybe there are others in the Craddock area, but. I think Holger's brother is a bit of a pecan pioneer, um, and he obviously identified that climate and stuff in that area to be ideal for pecans, which apparently need a very hot summer and a very cold winter and not too much rain. They like irrigation from the bottom, so it seemed an ideal place for it. And um, you know, interesting about that Craddock area as well is <clears throat> that it's on the Fish River. Uh, that's what they where they get the water for irrigation from. But that whole, a lot of that agriculture there with the irrigation wouldn't actually be if it hadn't been for that Orange Fish River scheme, which I clearly remember learning about in, uh, in primary school many, many years ago. So basically the Kharib Dam on the Orange River was built uh, to collect water and then tran- that water was trans- is transferred um, via big tunnels, I think they're about 50 or 70 kilometers long, to the top of the Fish River Valley. And if it wasn't for these water transfers, I don't think there would be as much agriculture in that area, or at least with irrigation, because it's quite an intensively irrigated valley, the Fish River Valley.
0: And what we didn't mention there in our conversation was that while we were traveling through the Eastern Cape Highlands, there was an announcement by the national parks that work was underway to establish a high-altitude national park in the Eastern Cape Mountains, close to the Lesotho border and I think it's in an extent of 30,000 hectares that would become protected area which uh, is uh, indeed a very exciting announcement. In the next episode we travel deeper into the Karoo. Thank you for joining us today and I look forward to the next episode with you.